Chapters twelve and thirteen of War and Women by Mrs. St. Clair Stobart. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twelve. But we had one red letter day. Having grown accustomed to finding the villages when we arrived either burnt to the ground or deserted, and to being met by skin and bone dogs and cats which ravenously begged of us food we could ill spare we could scarcely believe our ears when we heard one evening as we approached a village the joyous sound of a crowing cock promptly the soldiers were called and told to find immediately and raid against payment of course that cock-roost wherever it might be within a few minutes the escort returned triumphantly with half a dozen already slaughtered fowls and that evening we had roast chicken for supper we had no cooking-pots but we threaded the six fowls on a long stick supported on either side of the campfire by two iron rods taken from one of the ox-yokes and we hungrily enjoyed what was for us a rare feast there was no bread-sauce but appetite-sauce was a wonderful substitute and whilst we ate the villagers mostly women bulgarians gathered round us talking with heroic resignation of the destitution which stared them in the face they all as usual had blood-curdling stories of rapes and mutilations committed by the turks upon their fellow-villagers amongst the group was one man who was a priest and another who was in ordinary times a schoolmaster both seemed particularly alert and intelligent and i asked them how they accounted for the extraordinary success of the allies over the turks ah they answered we bulgarians always knew the war must come and we had predicted the result how they argued could it be otherwise every man is a soldier and every soldier owns his bit of land therefore every soldier is fighting for himself as well as for his country and his fellow-countrymen and the turk what does he fight for the country is nothing to him he conquers with the sword but he never settles or mixes with the conquered races yes but i said hoping to draw on my friends though you bulgarians fight for your country the turk fights for his faith is not that as powerful as incentive to deeds of valour the priest smiled scornfully faith the turk has no longer a faith and that is why he loses battles a soldier who believes that if he dies fighting he will go straight to paradise might think it worth while to kneel for twenty-four hours at a stretch up to his waist in water and blood in the trenches one thing against another but the young turks have been to paris that is now their paradise and they don't get there by staying in blood-filled trenches we are fighting to free ourselves from a tyranny we can no longer bear we have an ideal before us the turks are only fighting to keep up a condition of affairs which is unjust they have no ideal they will never beat us then these peasants told us stories of the battle which had taken place around their village for it was here that the flower of the professional world of sophia had been destroyed here that the wayward professor upon whom dr radoff and i had called had as i surmised been killed that was a memorable evening we had outspanned on a high plateau surrounded on two sides by rocky hills like those of dartmoor and commanding to the southwest an extensive view over the vast plain in which adrianople is set as the crow flies we were not far distant from the besieged city of this we were reminded by the continuous booming of the besieging guns our imagination had not been blunted by the brutalities of war and for us that was a nerve-racking sound for we knew though not a word was said 
that every rumble of those cannons and every flash of those spiteful fires as they blaze from the cannon's mouth into the darkness meant brave men killed or worse still maimed and shattered and homes made desolate and all that evening searchlights swept the sky and penetrated the recesses of our ox-carts and as an additional reminder that we were now well within the area of war the peasants pointed and told us where even now at this moment there were lying the corpses of many turks still unburied and the lightly covered bodies of those many brave bulgarians who had perished in battle around this village my driver pietro told me that with his people it was the custom to put a lighted candle and some food upon the grave a month after death and that they dug the grave shallow and tacked on the lid of the coffin very lightly so that the dead might get out if they felt inclined but these poor dead who were around us that night were not cumbered with coffins they were however mercifully hidden from us by the darkness and to make up for time lost over the broken axle of a cart which we had been obliged that day to leave by the roadside the oxen were inspanned next morning whilst it was still dark and we started on trek before dawn the bulgarian driver is compared to the kaffir boy strangely noiseless and the only sound as the little procession moved off into the darkness was squish squish as the wheels of the swaying carts forced their way through the quagmires of mud which marked the track there was no moon and the stars weary with what they had seen of the ways of men disappeared from view one by one and left us to the darkness between the two great silences and now that the big guns were quieted for a few hours of night there was over all the world a peace that peace which passeth all understanding the peace which precedes the dawn and then away in the eastern horizon the blackness gave place furtively to a faint grey light which spread slowly and reluctantly till all the world was grey ah there was no help for it the day must come i glanced back along the grey outline of that little procession in single file of our ox-carts and wished i could have painted my impression of the picture revealed by the light of that grey dawn grey carts white oxen led in silence by bulgarian and turkish peasants also grey and white with their grey clothing and white navushtas defiling between the grey rocks of a narrow gorge and freighted not with turkish or bulgarian merchandise but with british women who themselves emblematic of the dawn of a new day had without thought of fear or of discomfort thrown off the shackles of civilization and were jolting peacefully towards a turkish town there to render service to those in need betwixt odalisk and woman's convoy corps what an interval we were now nearing our journey's end and on the evening of that day a glad surprise awaited us we had already outspanned for the night in a particularly unsavoury farmyard in the little village of jenergy garrisoned at the moment by some five hundred troops i was looking round with a hopeful eye for chickens when an officer came up and saluting brought a message from his c o inviting us all to come into the little cafe and have a cup of coffee the invitation though kind didn't sound very nourishing but we gratefully accepted and crowded into the tiny room about twelve feet square which had been cleared of soldiers who were smoking and drinking to make space for us with eyes fixed upon a dark inner room from which supplies might not unreasonably be expected to emerge we all sat round two long empty tables whilst the officers evidently glad of a little social diversion stood round and chatted with us there was probably a hungry look in our eyes for in a few minutes the truth i am thankful to say leaked out that we were starving and with one accord the officers insisted that we must eat the soup which had just been prepared for the evening meal and was now about to be served in their own quarters close at hand i think 
i tried to remonstrate but was horribly conscious of half-heartedness and in a few minutes plates of delicious-looking soup full of thick chunks of meat and vegetables were being offered us by those blessed officers and their orderlies i shall never forget the sudden silence which followed the placing of those plates of soup upon the table in front of us we remembered that meal intimately for it was the last we had worthy of mention till we arrived at our destination two days later in our impatience to get to work those last two days seemed interminable but even at the rate of one and a half kilometres an hour the trek which had lasted seven days came to an end at last and our cortege drew up as usual in a manure-yard outside kirkkelis called by the bulgarians lozengrad the town of the vines each one of us eager to start upon our mission End of chapter twelve chapter thirteen it was one o'clock when the oxen and buffaloes were unyoked in the mud-trampled encampment by the side of the road on the outskirts of the town my business now was to find the commandant and receive orders to find also as i hoped my good friend dr Kirinoff. the drivers were told to wait in camp till my return and i together with the senior doctor and the senior sister and an interpreter marched off into the town it was i was sorry to know sunday and the office of the commandant might possibly be closed we discovered his headquarters and found that he was away was the pmo in the town no he was away at chatalja for a moment my heart sank had no work then been arranged for us after all i decided that the commandant must at all cost be unearthed i could not contemplate losing half a day before getting to work i was besides anxious to get the corps away from that foul encampment before night if possible where i asked was the commandant cross-examination disclosed the fact that he was as i suspected lunching at the military club he would return later but i had my doubts about that return as it was sunday we therefore went to the military club this was very carefully guarded and there was some difficulty in persuading the sentries to let us through but we were finally admitted in the entrance hall and i was able to send a message to the commandant who was i was thankful to find under the same roof he sent a courteous reply that he would return at once to his office and hoped to see me there in a few moments we returned therefore and before long the commandant was safely in my presence i asked for orders these were simple we were to go through the town and select for ourselves any houses we thought suitable for conversion into hospitals and set to work at once there were thousands of additional wounded hourly expected from chatalja and help would be sorely needed i had expected that perhaps the buildings would have been already selected but i of course acquiesced without comment and if i asked the houses we should select should chance to be inhabited what are we to do turn out the inhabitants was the answer all right i replied as though it were part of my daily routine to walk through turkish towns turning the inhabitants out of their own houses but before we start to work could you direct us i asked to a restaurant we're a little hungry and i want the members of our mission to get some food as soon as possible he very kindly sent one of his officers with us as a guide and told him to take us to the best restaurant in town the guide who talked very incomplete french took us through narrow muddy irregularly cobbled streets to this best restaurant alas the shutters were up and the place closed but our guide knocked at the door 
for some time there was no reply but eventually in response to a fist cannonade from our united forces the door was opened and a surly-looking man apparently as our guide informed us a greek muttered some words in a language none of us understood pointed to the shutters shrugged his shoulders and shut the door in our faces it's sunday and feeding time is over said the guide laconically but we'll try elsewhere we tried at every elsewhere in kirk Kilisse with the same negative result i'm sorry then said our guide but i can do no more you must wait till to-morrow adieu and he left us but i had no intention of waiting till to-morrow i pictured all my comrades in the carts eagerly waiting for us to return and conduct them to the promised land of food and plenty i was glad things looked so desperate for i knew this would be the moment for the miracle and the miracle of course happened straight away i glanced down the street wondering what to do next when lo and behold just appearing round the corner and now marching straight toward us with that free and easy swing so suggestive of power and self-confidence two officers dressed in our own blessed khaki uniform do ask them to help us whispered one of my companions i knew these officers would understand so i went up to them explained who we were told them we were anxious to select our hospital buildings before night but wanted to have some food first would they like angels help us to get this i should think we would replied emphatically the taller of the two who turned out to be the british military attache why certainly right here corroborated the other who was the american military attache and i knew all would be well now they went back to the first best restaurant and knocked as we had knocked with the same result a surly face a finger pointing at the shutters and shrugged shoulders you refuse to give these ladies food inquired our friends you have but they were talking to closed doors all right muttered the officers you're up against something different this time my friend we'll soon see if you'll provide food or not our attaches straightway went back into the main street which was swarming with soldiers soldiers on their way to the front soldiers wounded returning from the front soldiers soldiers everywhere and collected at haphazard half a dozen stalwart specimens the british attache then gave the command fix bayonets returned with his escort to the restaurant stormed the door forced it open and made the soldiers stand inside with their bayonets fixed ready for action now will you give these ladies food or not asked our british officer quietly of the restaurant keeper with eyes fixed uneasily on the gleaming bayonets the man replied sulkily we would if we had it but we've none left it's sunday it's all finished but from my position at the door i'd been looking round and my eyes had spotted a cupboard underneath the counter but what i asked have you got then in that cupboard i'm sure you have eggs there i sniffed loudly i can smell eggs in that cupboard open the cupboard commanded the officer it was full of eggs with the bayonets pointing at him the restaurant keeper was made to take out some eggs and followed by the soldiers and the bayonets the attaches and ourselves our host proceeded to the kitchen where the eggs were very promptly converted into omelettes and i can guarantee that omelette a la bayonette is a dish for epicures the officers stayed with us while we lunched and kindly invited us to have tea with them later at their quarters then after i and my companions had sent word to the corps to come up and get some food 
we returned to the office of the commandant ready for anything the task before us was simple we were given an official guide who knew the town and had a list of the commandierable houses and we set off on our errand the mud was in places a foot deep and together with the painfully irregular projecting cobbles demanded under ordinary circumstances careful steering with eyes upon the ground but i was wearing long practically heelless rubber boots which were mud and cobble proof and i was able though with difficulty owing to the crowded condition of the narrow streets to keep critical eyes upon the houses on either side as we walked along i came to the conclusion after the first five minutes that unless the outside of those dirty impossible-looking houses belied their interior possibilities as hospital wards the commandant must be playing a practical joke upon us in telling us to select houses suitable for hospitals i less and less appreciated the idea of having presently to dive into one of those uncanny-looking interiors and turn out the inmates neck and crop but it was no good shivering on the brink the plunge must be taken i wish to enter that house i therefore told the guide as i saw through the open doorway of a small courtyard a dingy unsavoury tumble-down house on the other side of the quadrangle it was i thought at least a little bit away from the street ah yes that was a turkish hotel and very suitable our guide thought we accordingly crossed the little yard and ascended a dark narrow staircase leading up to the house itself we opened the door of the best room the house contained it was about ten feet square with low ceiling no fireplace or ventilation the windows were closed an iron stove was burning fiercely and from twenty to thirty turkish soldiers were squatting playing cards or lying asleep on the floor the dirt and the smells were a revelation of possibilities these are turkish prisoners they can go elsewhere if you want the house intimated the guide thank you but i shall not be wanting this house i replied but for educational purposes we looked over the other rooms and inspected the save the mark sanitary arrangements then having received our first never-to-be-forgotten lesson in turkish sanitation we emerged once more thankfully into the outer air realizing that our british standards would have to be considerably readjusted if we were to succeed in adapting ourselves to turkish environment the remainder of the afternoon provided us with a varied experience of turkish interiors each house we entered seeming to be a little more unsuited for our purpose than the last we had entered and discarded as impossible house after house with no prospect apparently of anything more suitable turning up it was therefore now obviously time for the miracle the best i told myself was being kept as a surprise till the last and so it was suddenly we entered a side street looking quite different to the rest the street though as usual nameless was a little broader and more airy and the houses were modern and comparatively new almost at once we pounced upon two houses one storied facing each other on opposite sides of the street as suitable for our purpose as we were likely to find they had been private houses occupied by turkish families as evidenced by the harem casements and the crescent over the doors and must have belonged to people who were well-to-do for there were good-sized entrance halls downstairs and some of the rooms were comparatively large the only present occupants were some convalescent soldiers thankful to find even the shelter of an empty house for it contained nothing of any sort but dirt we told the soldiers they must turn out to-morrow at sunrise it was too late unfortunately now to start on the augean cleaning task 
as these houses could not contain the staff who were in any case better separately housed we searched further and found in an adjoining street another empty house in which we arranged to put up bedsteads for ourselves hugely thankful at the result in the end of our afternoon's work we made our way back to the famous restaurant to arrange as we grandly hoped for supper for the party but once more we found that we were too late at such short notice the restaurant people though quite polite could not give food to so large a number but we had secured our hospital building and nothing else mattered in comparison we therefore went to our good friends the military attaches to tell them the result of our afternoon's work and to get our promised cup of tea they were just going out to dinner at the military club but they gave us tea and biscuits and then most kindly rummaged their lockers and found odd tins of meat which they generously insisted on our carrying with us to the camp so we returned to the rest of our expectant party lighted our fires and ate our supper sitting on the shafts of the ox-carts on ground that was in spadish language a manure heap in spite of all disadvantages however we were all full of hope and good spirits for to-morrow our real work would begin End of chapter 13